Friends, good morning. It is so great to be here. So great to see all your smiling faces. My name is Kelsey. I get to serve at Grace Commons with University Ministry. And thankfully, I haven't said anything heretical yet on a Sunday morning. So they keep letting me preach on Sundays, which is also really wonderful. Um, and this is also my first Sunday preaching where I get to see people's faces. All of my sermons have been during the pandemic, either online or where y'all are wearing masks. So it's great to be able to see your smiling faces. I love it. It's so good. Excited about that. Um, and I will say that uh, there was no way I could tie an Alabama football to this message. So I'll save you. But next time, just wait for it. So we are continuing our series this week, Half-Truths, that Daniel has started for us the last few weeks. And this morning we're going to examine the half-truth of God helps those who help themselves. God helps those who help themselves. And to start, I would actually like to contend that this shouldn't even be classified as a half-truth, but more like something that points towards something that's true or hints at something that is true. It has like an essence of truth, sort of like how LaCroix doesn't really have flavor. It just has an essence of flavor. That's sort of like this half truth. It doesn't really have a ton of truth, but it has an essence of a little bit of truth. And the essence of truth is this. We can't just sit around and pray and hope that God will act on our behalf, but not take any steps to help ourselves. At some point, we have to take some steps and some actions to make things happen in our lives. For instance, think about any job that you've had in your lifetime. For the vast majority of us, I would imagine that a job did not just magically appear and fall into your lap out of thin air. Now, certainly God can work in that way. He can, someone can call you up out of the blue. But most often, you probably updated your resume, you wrote a cover letter, you submitted your application, you went through one, two, three interviews before you were even offered a job. So in this instance, you truly do have to help yourself before God can help you and provide for you. You had to take some steps and some actions or even think about dinner time in your household. I would imagine that food does not just magically appear on your table. There might be some members in your household that think that it does, but it does not. The truth is that you earned a paycheck and then you took that money, you went to Trader Joe's, you responsibly bought the things you need for dinner, you irresponsibly bought a ton of snacks that you don't need but looked really good, and then you took them home and you prepared a meal. So in this instance, you... The food that you eat ultimately came from God, but you or others had to put some work in before you could eat it. So we can pray and we can pray and we can pray and we can wait and wait and wait for God to work on our behalf, but we also have to do some work in the process. God provided us with brains and wisdom and gifts, and it is up to us to use them. So we can pray and we can wait, but we also have to work. So to some small degree, we do have to help ourselves. And Paul, in a letter to the Thessalonian church, was addressing an issue sort of like this. Paul had started the church in Thessalonica and taught people to trust in Jesus. And he taught them that Jesus might come back at any moment and maybe even pretty soon. And as a result of this teaching, many mistakenly came to believe that trusting in Jesus meant that they could quit their jobs and just wait for Jesus's imminent return. 
they believed that they didn't have to work or be careful in their spending because God would provide for them. So when Paul caught wind of this happening in Thessalonica, he wrote these words in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 10 to 12. Paul says this, When we were with you, we were giving you this command. If anyone doesn't want to work, they shouldn't eat. We hear that some of you are living an undisciplined life. They aren't working, but they are meddling in other people's business. By the Lord Jesus Christ, we command and encourage such people to work quietly and put their own food on the table. Paul is correcting a wrong belief that trusting in Jesus means that you just pray and then God takes care of everything else without you needing to do much. What Paul is getting at is that they can't be lazy and just sit around and pray and hope and wait that the Lord will do something. They had to take some action. They had to work so they could eat. In the same way, we can't just sit around hoping for the Lord to act on our behalf. We can pray and wait, but we also have to put some action in. So the phrase, God helps those who help themselves, certainly points to something that is true, but in and of itself is not true because there are times we should certainly be helping ourselves and there are times that God certainly helps us. But us helping ourselves is not contingent on God helping us. We cannot earn God's help and there are times when we may not even deserve God's help. Yet God helps us regardless. So I believe that a better phrase and a phrase that is widely supported by scripture would actually be that God helps the helpless. God helps the helpless. And God helps the helpless because we are helpless and we are his. So if you would, let's pray and then we'll uncover this truth a bit more. Lord, uh, we are grateful uh, to be here on this sunny and warm Sunday morning uh, hearing about you. So Lord, would you uh, help us, help us uncover this truth, speak truth and speak wisdom uh, over us today. Lord, would we hear what it is that you have to speak to us this morning? It's in your name we pray. Amen. When I was a kid, how should I say this? I was spirited. I was a spirited kid. I had a lot of energy. I had a lot of things to say. I was always getting into stuff. My mom, knowing this, wisely put me in activities from a very young age. So when I was four, my mom had placed me in gymnastics. I wasn't crazy about gymnastics, never have been, never been flexible, cannot touch my toes to save my life. But in gymnastics, I loved the bars. I loved hanging on the bars. I loved swinging on the bars. I loved like tucking my little four-year-old body around the bars and doing little rotations around the bar. Loved it. And one day I was in my backyard and I was looking at the swing set and I said to myself, the top bar of the swing set looks a heck of a lot like the bars at the gymnastics gym. So I go over to the swing set, climb up the slide, get to the top bar, tuck my little four-year-old body around the top bar, do a rotation around it, do a flip around it. And I think to myself, that was fun. So I do another one, then another one. Then I think to myself, I wonder how many flips I can do in a row. The answer is that I cannot do more than one flip in a row because my hands slipped and I landed hard on the te hard Texas soil on both 
wrists. I fractured both wrists at the same time. So now I'm in the backyard. I'm screaming bloody murder. And it takes a moment to register that I've just hurt my wrists. I still have full use of my legs. And so I eventually make my way over to the back door to find my mom. And here's what my mom didn't do. My mom didn't say, well, Kels, you got yourself into quite the pickle. So before I can help you, why don't you go scrounge around the backyard and find some splints and uh, make yourself some splints for your wrist before I take you down to urgent care. She also didn't say, well, Kels, you got yourself in quite the pickle. Why don't you walk yourself down to urgent care and then I'll pick you up after. How about you help yourself before I can help you? She didn't do either of those things. I got myself into quite the mess when I had decided that this was the best idea I had ever had to flip around the top bar of the swing set. But regardless of the mess that I had made, I went to my mom for help and she immediately helped me. She helped me because I needed help. I didn't earn her help and I may not have even deserved her help, but I was helped because I was helpless and because I was hers. And I think that God responds to us in a similar way. We do not first have to help ourselves before God will help us. So often with God, I think it's easy for us to forget that we are significantly more helpless than we would like to admit. We like to think that we have things under control, that we are self-sufficient, that we can do it. We can make things happen. We can control our futures and our day-to-day lives. It's really easy for us to believe that God helps those who help themselves. It's easy for us to believe that we earn God's help or we deserve his help. And I think it's easy for us to believe this because I think we want it to be true. We want to believe that we have some control over the things that happen to us in our lives. And the story that scripture tells, though, is that we are far from self-sufficient. Scripture reminds us that we are incredibly helpless and left to our own devices. We typically screw things The Old Testament is filled with stories of men and women who took matters into their own hands. They helped themselves, if you will. And God did help them. But he helped them not because they helped themselves, but but because in helping themselves, they actually made a bigger mess of things and indicated their absolute helplessness. Left to our own devices, we will choose our own way and decide that we know what is best. And regardless, God still chooses to help us. No matter how much and how often we royally screw things up, no matter how many times we take matters into our own hands instead of trusting and depending on God, God will still show up to help us. And he helps us not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, or not because we have helped ourselves. He helps because we are helpless and we are his. And scripture's filled with verses and examples, but I didn't want to just hop around scripture to prove my point this morning. And my sweet husband, Cody, brought to mind a passage of scripture that I think will actually work really well. And it's the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. And what's great about the story is there's two sons, one father. One son did not help himself. One son did help himself. And the story reveals the father's response to both. So if you have your Bibles with you or if you have your phone, we'll be in Luke 15. And we'll start first in verses 1 and 2. It says this. 
Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. We'll talk about this more in a little bit, but an important note is that Jesus is about to go through three different parables about something that was lost and then found. And all of these parables are directed at the Pharisees. He wants the Pharisees to hear these parables because they are acting a little mightier than thou. And so we'll pick back up in verse 11 in Luke 15, and Jesus says this. There is a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion him, And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. The servant said, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But even when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. There's a lot we could talk about from this parable. But this morning, I just want to focus on the two brothers and how one helped himself and one did not. The younger brother squandered everything. The younger brother threw everything away. So we can put him in the category of he has not. He has not helped himself and actually was not even expecting much from his father. He just wanted to go back to his father and make things right. That's it. Then the older brother said that he had been slaving away for his father and had done everything right. So we can put him in the category of someone who has helped himself 
expecting something from the father in return. The older brother felt that he earned or deserved the treatment that the younger brother was receiving. The older brother had become entitled. The older brother felt like he had the right to tell his father how the robes, the rings, and the livestock of the family should be dispensed, and that all of these things should actually be for him. He felt that he had earned this right, that he had deserved it. And in a similar way, if we fall into thinking that God helps those who help themselves, then we start to believe that we can gain some leverage over God. We can control God, or we can put God in a position where we think he owes us. And in the story, Jesus is using the older brother to represent the Pharisees. The Pharisees, by all accounts, were just trying to please and follow God. But what they ended up doing instead was taking the rules and commands given to them by God and just adding more rules and commands to them. And the Pharisees, they strive to be pure and righteous and blameless before God through their actions. But over time, their actions began to take center stage over their devotion and dependence on God to help them and to save them. The Pharisees forgot that they were helpless. They began to believe that they were self-sufficient. And they began to believe that they were entitled to blessings from God. I think it would be safe to say that the Pharisees believed that God helps those who help themselves. So it would have made the Pharisees really angry to hear that the younger brother, who in this story did nothing right, is the one who received all of the blessings from God or from the father. And in this story, the younger brother represents the tax collectors and the sinners that were also present as Jesus is telling these parables. And the younger brother did nothing but throw everything away. He squandered his entire inheritance. Half of what his father had to give him, he blew it all. And in verse 17, it says that he came to his senses after he had squandered everything. And what did he do after he came to his senses? He went right to his father. He didn't try to keep figuring out alone. He needed the help of his father, so he went to him. And the younger brother at this point in the story is far from entitled. He went to his father just expecting to be a servant, to be a hired hand, just to work for his father, to try to earn his inheritance back. He was expecting very little. And by all accounts, it certainly seems like the son did not do anything to earn or deserve anything from the father. And yet what the, father received, what the brother received from his father was restored sonship. He was restored as a son, which means that he also had a restored inheritance. The younger son did nothing to prove himself to the father other than coming back to him. The younger son realized how helpless he was and how much he needed help. What the younger son realized in the story and what the tax collectors and the sinners were beginning to understand through Jesus is that God helps the helpless. The older brother wanted what the father could give him and the younger brother just wanted the father. We don't earn or deserve anything from God. We have no entitlement with God. He will certainly bless us. He will provide for us, but we do not deserve anything from him, much like the older brother did not deserve anything from his father. In fact, if we do deserve anything from God, it's actually just punishment 
for our continued sins against him. But even God in his mercy and kindness made a way out of that for us through his son, Jesus. So the truth is that God helps the helpless and we are helpless and he helps us simply because we are his. And when we realize that we are helpless, we come to the father not expecting much. We come to the father simply because we want to be with him and we see our need for him. When we come to our senses like the younger brother, we go straight to the father. The truth is that God helps the helpless and every last one of us is in need of a savior. We have not earned and we do not deserve a single thing from God. And even still, he comes to our aid. He helps us. He provides for us. We simply just need to humble ourselves in real realization that we are not as self-sufficient as we would like to think. We need the help of God. And thankfully, he is a God that is willing to give it. God helps the helpless because we are helpless and we are his. So if you would pray with me and the worship team will come back up. Father, we are grateful that we don't have to earn your help. We don't have to do anything to earn the help that you so willingly will give us. So Lord, would you help us continually realize that we need you? We need your help. Lord, I pray that we would simply just come to be with you, to just be with you, to be in your presence and feel your love and your goodness. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.